Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton, Corinne Bursa, and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Scott, how are you doing? Great to see you. And Corinne, how are you doing? I'm doing great this morning. It's good to be here with you guys. Wonderful. We've got quite a panel. We've got a big guest joining us here shortly. But, you know, Corinne and Greg, today is the Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories across global business every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. So, as I mentioned, uh, Aaron Frankel with Six River Systems is is with us here today. That's going to be a fun conversation as we talk about a variety of things. Uh, so, buckle up, folks, and get ready because we want to hear from you as well. So, um, so Corinne and Greg, I'll ask y'all a quick hitter as we start. One highlight from your weekend just one highlight from your weekend mm. so who would like to go first um i'll go first but i'm not sure anybody else is going to think of it as a highlight <laughs> <laughs> do tell do tell i i often start these projects in the yard um when i ask for things a few times and it doesn't miraculously happen so i started one of those yesterday um, okay and, and it took my husband and two boys to um, to finish the project. Wow, that's a massive project. But they did. They did, <laughs> so and they I'm very happy. I'm very happy with the results. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love that. We're going to have to get pictures. Uh, Greg, how about you? Uh, my youngest daughter, who just finished, uh, what, her junior year of college, uh, came down to visit us. So that was a fun weekend. Interesting. And... We were practicing all of the various cum laude's and what order they go in because okay. she's like one one hundredth of a point from oh, wow. summa cum laude. So oh, wow. as from her GPA standpoint, so um, she is really sharp, like her parents, huh? She is, um, and you know, to quote the movie Clueless, I I couldn't be prouder if she'd actually earned an A. So. <laughs> I love that. Well, it sounds like both of y'all had wonderful weekends. Uh, and, and hey, we're teed up for a great conversation here today on Supply Chain Buzz. But before we do, uh, Corinne and Greg, I want to share a couple of quick announcements. Yeah. And then we're going to say hello to a few folks out in the audience. I want to start with, uh, you know, hey, it's all about purpose. It's all about leveraging the resources you have to do good uh, across the globe. And the Supply Chain Now team is really proud to continue our work and support of uh, Vector Global Logistics as we look to leverage logistics for Ukraine. So they've been doing these for a couple months now. Uh, it's led to real impact, meaning um, uh, containers on the water headed to folks with vetted needs in Ukraine and Poland and, and elsewhere. And basically, it's a biweekly working session where folks with needs join, folks with resources, folks are looking to help, or folks looking to learn about what's going on and, and what uh, updates on the needs and, and the situation. So the next one is tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And I think we're going to drop the link in the comments. And then the newly crowned Heroes of Humanity Vector Global Logistics by the Supply Chain 
and procurement awards. That is such a great call out. That yes. is such a great call out. Yeah. Uh, Corinne and Greg, we, that was all last week. Uh, I think we've got a press yeah. release out there with all the winners, but Vector was uh, deemed the champion of humanity. Corinne, pretty That's cool, it. huh? It's very cool and well-deserved, well-deserved. And I love this particular initiative, which is just one of many that, that Vector has um, right. put time, effort, attention, their talent behind um, over the years as well. So that's right. Um, good shout out. That's you right. sometimes wonder how they have time to do business, but they've made this such a core part of their business that it, it really is just another one of those operational things that they do. That's so right. I love, um, I love how it's in the forefront of their of their operations. Uh, great, great comments there, Greg and Corinne. Uh, one on a, on a um, lighter note, a home run event coming up, a new event coming up with our friends at uh, the National Retail Federation Supply Chain 360, June 20th and 21st in Cleveland, Ohio. Whenever I hear Cleveland, it takes me back to Bernie Kosar and the Browns or Cleveland Rocks. Which uh, a Drew Carey thing? Drew Carey, Greg yeah. and Corinne, were y'all fans of that show? I was, I yeah. was. I like Drew Carey. I think the yeah. president of the United States was the actual musical group that sang the song. Greg, you have to check me on that. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty president sure. The United States of America. Yeah. Yes. They also okay. sang peaches. And peaches, lo- yep, that song. <laughs> Lots of others. Millions of peaches. <laughs> Millions of peaches, peaches for me. Hey, but y'all check out. <laughs> but this, this is a new event, right, Scott? This the supply chain yeah, sixty, right? And, and right. and supply chain now is going to play a part in it, right? What's going on there? Well, you know, so, so we've been collaborating with John Gold and our team, and and this is is another chapter in that collaboration. We may. Greg and Corinne, we may be there in person. It kind of depends on a couple of things, but uh, John Gold's going to be with us on a live stream this okay. Wednesday talking about how um, many retail supply chains are really acting on uh, how to bake more sustainability into their model. Uh, and he's going to share, Greg, a couple of things that folks and supply chain leaders should be doing. Uh, John Gold always is a great interview, huh? Unquestionably, I mean, he's a huge advocate for retailers, right? He spends so much time in Washington, D.C. You got to feel sorry for him. But, uh, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, this is a huge advocacy group, right? And, um, and I think no better advocacy than what to do about your supply chain today, which That's right. is one of the things we're going to be talking about a little bit later today as well. So, yeah, I love that, that, that NRF, aside from the big show, all of their advocacy, arguably lobbying and what else, whatever else they're doing, they're having these really focused operational shows on the important aspects of the business. Very targeted. Well said. Uh, so y'all check that out. Registration is still open. Uh, Supply Chain 360 in Cleveland. And we've got the link we're dropping in the comments. Um, okay. So Greg and Corinne, great comments and questions. You are quite the one-two punch. Uh, again, we've got uh, Aaron Frankel joining us from Six River Systems here in about 15 minutes. You're not, not going to want to miss that. Um, let's say hello to a few folks. And then I've got one story I want to get both of you all to weigh in on that both of you are very, very uh, familiar with and been a part of it. And that's, of course, the Gartner MQ, the Magic Quadrant. But we're going to get oh, to yeah. that. In just a second. Let's say hello to a few folks. Samana is back with us via LinkedIn. Samana, let us know where you are tuned in from. Great to have you here today. Of course, Catherine, Chantel, Amanda, Clay, the whole production team is behind the scenes helping to make it happen. Yes, it is rainy 
here in the Atlanta area. This it? Okay. All that, all that mulch I put out this weekend washed well, away. No, I'm kidding. It'll, it'll be holding water in here very shortly, right? <laughs> okay. Which is the whole point. Thank so. you for your optimism, Greg. I really appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Rhonda is tuned in. Not uh, seeing rain. Guaranteed. <laughs> She's in Phoenix. So uh, have y'all seen? <laughs> so uh, Dr. Rhonda has been putting out some great content. Uh, focused on on a variety of things, including mental health and awareness. Uh, so we'll see if she can drop her podcast. A link to one of her latest episodes in the comments. Corinne, have you have you caught any of those yet? I have. They're very inspirational. Her energy just comes through in the conversation. So um, mm-hmm. I could I could learn a few things from uh, from from Rhonda. I love that. I love that. So keep the good stuff coming. Uh, Including how to hike up a mountain it seems like every single day, right? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Where does she get the energy? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Josh Goody is back with us. Josh of the Seattle um, area. Seattle goodies. That's right. (laughs) The Seattle goodies. That's right. Uh, We're talking pedigree and and lineage here. Um, But Josh always brings it on the live streams, much like Rhonda and and others. So great to have you here. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, I'm thinking we pronounce two syllables, uh, Pepe, perhaps. And if I got that wrong, let me know. But great to have you here via LinkedIn and let us know where you're tuned in from. Jose Sanchez from Atlanta uh, via LinkedIn. Great to have you back, uh, Jose. Uh, I saw also one of our favorites here, uh, Gene Pledger. Corinne and Greg, you can't have a buzz without old GP, right? <laughs> There are a lot of ways to interpret that. And I hope both of them, at least the two that immediately come to mind, are always true. That's right. That is right. And Gene is from the northern Alabama area. And I'm pretty sure, Gene, refresh our memory. Well, so Corinne's an Auburn alum. I think Gene might be on the other side of the fence, Corinne. I'm not sure. I think he is. Let's think, not go there. Yeah. Let's just, let's just he's in Northern Alabama. Gene, let's it's great talk. to see you on the live stream today. <laughs> let's talk about something we can all enjoy. Fair and enough. Muscle Shoals. Well, hey, we can, all, we, we can all team up on Jimbo, right? Uh, so we'll save that for a, a later time. Of course, Amanda is is uh, with the production team behind the scenes helping to make it happen today. Um, Byron Evans Sr. from Waco, Texas. Great to have you back with us. Uh, from a beautiful part of the world, uh, Pape from Senegal. So, so ask and ye shall receive. And let me know, Pape, if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, let's see here. Dimitri is tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Dimitri. Let us know where you are viewing from. Okay. So, Corinne and Greg, before Aaron joins us and we talk all things robotics and automation, um, I want to get y'all's take on... Um, uh, a recent released um, report on supply chain planning solution providers from our friends at Gartner. And what I want to do before I get y'all to weigh in, some of the folks out there may not be familiar with uh, the MQ, right? As it's called by some folks in the know, uh, like the two of y'all perhaps. Uh, the Magic Quadrant is a regularly released series of market research reports, again, published by Gartner. The release of a lot of MQs. Uh, for a wide variety of market niches. Get, you know, I had no idea. I started diving into this over the weekend. 3PLs, Salesforce automation, network services, and many, many more. 
Um, and as I mentioned, the popular supply chain planning solutions MQ was recent release, I think just last week. And I want to get y'all to weigh in on some of the things that that um, uh, that maybe stood out to you. And Corinne, we'll start with you. Any observations specifically related to this MQ? Yeah, this, this MQ is probably the single most um, important or most influential uh, report that gets published for the supply chain planning market space. Um, the bottom line is it stimulates a ton of discussion. And whether you agree or disagree, um, it, it is always interesting. And there is always a little magic in the quadrant, thus the name Magic Quadrant. So... Um, don't you agree, Greg? There's always just there's always a few surprises. I've been I've been involved with this particular magic quadrant for m- more than 25 years, um, and I've seen it go through several different iterations and changes. Um, there is some science behind it, so there are 15 critical capabilities um, that help to do some of the assessment of the solutions. Um, and then it's got that important X, Y axis, completeness of vision. So vision is important um, for the solution provider and then ability to execute, which is the Y axis for it. Um, and where you want to be, you want to be in the leader's quadrant. You want to be in the upper right-hand side. Um, and, and um, you know, I, there are four quadrants. They're all important. But there are 22 vendors in this year's um, Magic Quadrant. The prior one for 2021 had 18. Um, So just making it into the quadrant is a huge accomplishment. So don't think that because a solution provider is in the niche quadrant, they aren't worth considering. They are. They met the criteria to be included because there's another 10 in addition to those 22 that get honorable mentions. So if you make the quadrant, there's something special about the solutions you're bringing to market. And particularly in the supply chain planning market where there are literally over 100 supply chain planning solution providers. So uh, to be to be con- even considered for this, you have to be of a certain size and veracity as a company. You have to have um, a relatively international presence all of those things go into determining the viability of the company and not just the technology itself. So there are all kinds of aspects that are investigated here. It's really important. I think it's been um, Tim Payne, who has been doing this for a long time, along with Amber Sally, they've made a really conscious effort to shake up the status quo, if you will, and not necessarily leave companies in the leader's quadrant because they've always been there because technology has evolved and new players have have come into the marketplace and they have been doing some really, really innovative things. And um, I think one of the frustrations can be as an analyst, probably as an analyst, but also as a technology provider, which Corinne and I have both been and and participated in this um, this magic quadrant. It is that it's so hard to rise above the noise because there are hundreds of vendors, but also to be recognized because the um, the old school, if that's what you want to call them, type vendors kind of rule the narrative in the marketplace. But there are plenty of other vendors out there. And as Corinne said, don't just look at the leaders, look at the visionaries, look at the challengers, even look at the niche players, because the reason some of them may be a niche 
is because of a very specific market that they focus on that could be your market. It could be you if you are a particular type of retailer or manufacturer or distributor or whatever. Um, those niche players can be um, very, very valuable. And of course, um, the leaders are uh, setting the standard in terms of new technologies and ability to reach the entire world. Um, you know, this is not a U.S. centric thing. Almost mm. all of these companies operate around the world in, in some aspect. Yeah, so- absolutely. And this this process is for a solution provider. This is a big effort. This is not something you fill out an RFI right. and you're done. I mean, are you with me, Greg? I mean, the process <laughs> starts. They're getting ready to kick off the next magic quadrant analysis. So it will right. start in the kind of the June, July timeframe where they will survey the market and make the decision on who's going to be in the quadrant. And then there's like an RFI process. There's a briefing process. There's customer reference process. So for the for this one that just published last week, um, I think it was distributed on the 18th. It has a 16th published date on it uh, for May 16th. Um, but when that um, started, it was it was July of last year. So it's Man. taken yeah, all that time to come to market, uh, to get vetted and to be reviewed. And then the vendor gets to counter if they disagree with some of the rankings on them. They don't get to see everybody else. They just get to see um, the write-up on their strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Greg, I'll give you... Strengths and opportunities. Strengths and strengths and opportunities. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Greg, I'm going to give you the final word. Yeah, I think the the important thing to understand here is unlike other evaluations, you can't advertise or buy your way to the to the top of this list. And it, it's evidenced by the fact that some of the largest players with some of the largest marketing budgets in this, one of the largest markets in supply chain technology, are not in the leaders quadrant. So it is a it is as fair an evaluation as you can get. And as Corinne says they div- dig very deep. In fact, I don't know if it comes out every year now, Corinne, but it used to only come out every other year because so much work went into the research and analysis here. And frankly, as a solution provider, I was thankful that it was only every other year. <laughs> well, it, it, um, they, they want it to be annual. When it gets slowed down, it's because of challenges um, either from the analysis process or with the review process. But the goal is that this this behemoth of a report um, is is to be an annual report. Mm. It doesn't always make it annual. The 2021 took two years with COVID wow. in yeah. the midst of it to come to market. Well, check that out. And, you know, Greg and Corinne, I imagine uh, oh, Mike Griswold joins us next week. We're probably going to be touching on this. Uh, the top 25 is, I think, this week. I think the Gartner top 25 will be released, I believe. So y'all stay tuned. I think it's next. Uh, well, it's it's next Wednesday, week from this coming Wednesday. Uh, join us 12 noon as we dive deeper into some of this stuff. Um, okay. A great example is Mike is probably one of the most knowledgeable analysts in the industry, and he uh, I think has chosen <laughs> may even tell you that he actively avoids having his own magic quadrant because it is mm. so much work. And he has so many analyst client or, you know, 
analysis clients. So it's not something that you can do even part-time. It is, right. I mean, it, it really is a great, um, and it, as objective an analysis as you're going to get. Don't poke the bear. I think we've learned that from our monthly, uh, we've learned that was his nickname, right? The bear. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah. yeah. Of course, um, Griswold. <laughs> so, all right. So really quick, I want to say hello to a few folks, and then we're going to bring in our featured guests here today on the Supply Chain Buzz. Really excited to be uh, chatting with uh, Aaron here momentarily. Uh, Gene is confirming. We, we can't leave any any unclosed loops. He yes, is a big Bama right. fan. Um, Dimitri is confirming. Currently from Kansas City, Missouri. Go How Chiefs. How about that? Go Chiefs, uh, as Greg always says. So, Dimitri, welcome in. Uh, Dr. Rhonda appreciates our feedback. Uh, uh, you're so kind. Super thankful to learn whatever's happening in the supply chain world from your insightful community. And we need some rain here for sure, she says. Haven't seen rain since March 5th. Oh, wow. Wow. How about that? Um, so, the- so starting July 15th, hmm. around that, that monsoon season in Phoenix, they should see it about every day. Okay. That's good. For about know. 30 minutes. Floods the streets and then they're dry 30 minutes later. <laughs> the way it worked when I lived there. I like your optimism, Greg, and your weather reporting on the money. Uh, maybe we'll get an update on the... On the Almost um, as easy as San Diego, <laughs> which today is 73 and sunny. Right. Sadiq, <laughs> great to see you here via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Uh, Sayari from Tunisia via LinkedIn. Right. Great to see you here today. Uh, stay tuned. Debbie Grant is with us. Debbie, let us know where you are tuned in from. Great to see you here today. Uh, Jose, thanks for your feedback. Uh, I love the show, he says, and the helpful information you bring us every week. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Whatever that, gets you coming back, Jose, that's what we're going to do. That's right. And from one <laughs> from one Jose here in Atlanta to another Jose out in California, one of our faves here. Uh, hello, Jose Montoya says from Southern California, host of uh, Coffee. Coffee with uh, – I always get this wrong. Coffee on logistics and supply chain. So check that out. Jose does uh, a lot of great work there. Um, okay. So Greg and Corinne. Yes. We have got a wonderful guest. We really enjoyed our pre-show conversation with uh, the one and only uh, Aaron Coast to Coast Frankel. So I want to let's go ahead and, and bring in our guest. Uh, please join me in welcoming Aaron Frankel, Vice President of Technical Operations with Six River Systems. Hey, Ron, how are you doing today? Great to see you. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, we are, uh, we're excited to have you here. We've really enjoyed our uh, kind of our monthly chit-chats uh, with you and members of your team. Uh, it's really interesting to see all the things that you're doing here in, the, in this uh, commerce era we find ourselves in and, and then some. But Greg, Corinne, and Aaron, we're going to start with a little bit of fun uh, here. Uh, so I bet... My bet is y'all had no idea that today is National Taffy Day. So where I want to start, uh, if you're like me, a, a child of the 80s, Laffy Taffy, now and laters, that was part of my weekend. And if my folks let me, my daily uh, diet back in the day. Uh, <laughs> what about <laughs> Carnival Taffy? <laughs> Never had Carnival Taffy. Never. I don't think. I, I don't think so. <laughs> So, all right. So clearly, I, I mean, let me write that down there, Greg. Um, but Aaron, let's start with you. So tell us if it's not taffy, what's what's your go-to candy? Yeah. 
I'll take you a little bit off the beaten track, if you if you don't mind. So I'm going back to my childhood, around the 80s, a little bit before in Israel. My favorite thing back then, that is still the favorite thing today, is chocolate-covered orange pills. I don't know if you consider that uh, a candy or not. I think that you can. But the combination of the bitterness of the, uh, of the orange peel with the sweetness of the chocolate still uh, does it for me. You know, we've, well, we've gotten some right. We've got some really unique answers with these these uh, uh, questions that we usually warm up with. That ranks up there, Aaron. So we're gonna have to check that out. Um, Corinne, your favorite candy, your go-to candy? Um, peanut M and M's. Okay. I, I cannot be left alone in the room with a bag of peanut M and M's. <laughs> so, okay, just I'll be look. warned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. Middle note: Do not leave. <laughs> okay. Uh, or Greg. do. <laughs> what about you, Greg White? I'm. I am such a sweet freak that it's hard to pin it down to one thing. But it's probably a Snickers bar. Okay. Yeah. Unquestionably, a Snickers bar. My dad and I used to sit down and eat them uh, together. And I can tell you when they changed the formula in the chocolate and in the caramel. Wow. Um, yeah. Man. But, yeah. I just love the commercials. I love the commercials. Uh, where oh, shows the, you're not yourself? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, <laughs> Perfect. Great, great commercials. Yeah. Hey, really quick. Uh, and I promise we're going to move into the heavy lifting here. But Corey, hey, appreciate this feedback. Uh, Corey is from Toronto. Corey Weeks. Fantastic show. Always get great insights from these Monday lives. Corey, hey, don't be a stranger. Come on back. And we look forward to you waiting in today. On, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, some of the cool, innovative automation and robotics that uh, are, are continuing to immerse themselves in supply chain and help a lot of organizations keep up. Up. Uh, Dr. Rhonda says, yummy, my teeth cannot handle taffy. I bite them within minutes, not good for the caps and expensive implants. Hey, I get that uh, for you sure. You can almost feel taffy pulling your teeth out of your gums. I mean, even <laughs> just regular teeth out of your gums, right? Yeah. You're so right. You're so right. All right. We're going to circle back maybe to some more candy talk. But uh, Aaron, uh, again, great to have you here today. And I want to uh, kind of start changing gears, get to uh, the center plate topic. We're going to be conducting Aaron, Corinne, and Greg a bit of a state of the union uh, mm. update for robotics. And you know, we're going to be talking about what the landscape looks like out there. Uh, and uh, Aaron, where I want to start with is we've got a really neat article from our friends at uh, Modern Materials Handling. Uh, great read. It came out uh, just, just here not too long ago. And uh, I will get your take. But first, uh, this is uh, author Bob Treblecock uh, reflects a bit on big trade shows from 2007 and kind of forward, you know, ProMat, Modex and stuff, and just how far automation has come and evolved since. He also shares some of the results in this survey. Y'all can check it out. Uh, perhaps we can drop a link in the comments. Uh, he shares results from a recent survey focused on robotics and automation that was conducted in the last few months. And one of my favorite takeaways uh, from the data is that those companies, according to their survey, that are either looking to use robots or already are using robots, they're not looking to replace labor, but rather they're using robotics to empower the workforce, helping them to get more done and get it done easier. But that's just one of my favorite takeaways. Uh, Aaron, I want to um, tell us from this article and, and kind of in general, what are some of the things you're seeing? Yeah, I love it. We start, first started with dessert, and now we are moving to the main course. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Very European. Yeah, yes, exactly. 
So I'll start with general and then we can deep dive into the article. We see three trends that are coming from the industry. First, we see a double digit year over year e-commerce growth that returned to the e, uh, the pre-COVID uh, levels, but with higher expectations for delivery times, delivery quality, and the return process. Second, as you just mentioned, the labor shortages, both in the front line and the managers, driven by the increased demand of warehouse employees, which reduce supplies of those employees. And three, supply chain management delays to get products to the warehouse shelves making it harder to manage inventory and to forecast. Uh, those trends increase the gap between businesses that implemented robotics or other industry 4.0 solutions into their uh, businesses and fulfillment, um, as compared to the businesses who did not, because those systems had to optimize the labor, improve the productivity, reduce the onboarding time, and increase the employee retention. Hmm. Uh, all right, so Greg, I'm gonna come to you first. Uh, Aaron just shared a lot there, uh, but but what's what's one thing you heard him share, or what's one of your key takeaways from this article from Modern Materials Handling we're referring to? I think it's uh, fascinating the juxtaposition of our perception of robotics here in the states versus uh, Europe, Frank, for example, where um, a good friend of mine, uh, Lorna Stangalon, ran. Um, wine and spirits warehouses that were virtually completely lights out and and where we are still apologizing for taking jobs away from humans who refuse to take the jobs that are out there i think we you know that juxtaposition of our perception and and bob's analysis versus what's really going on in the world i think is really really important for instance i work with a company that that does robotics uh, operating systems in Southeast Asia, where laser, labor is very, very cheap. And still, there is an incredible um, desire for um, for robotics and autonomous in the workplace. And I think that this is a culture, largely the lagging nature of the way the U.S. and North America has handled this is a cultural issue that goes back to the 50s when you can't take my job was the thing, right? <laughs> and I think we have to we have to kind of welcome ourselves to this century and this millennia, and and say it is okay to to use robotics because it's not taking anyone's job, no one, not one single person. Remember, we had a two million uh, workers shortage of supply chain talent prior to COVID and the explosion of e-commerce, right? Excellent points there, uh, Greg and Aaron. Corinne. Yeah, I, I agree. I really like uh, the article that um, that Bob Trollcock put together. He's the, he always does his homework. But Peerless, the, the publishing group, did some actual um, uh, surveying of the market as well. So there's some really good metrics in here. Um, and I would encourage folks to read the article because if I'm remembering correctly, I was just looking back at it, but 40% of the respondents said they have no plans. That's, wow. that's right. That, that's a problem. So I'm not saying you have to be there today or next year, but this needs to be in your five-year roadmap um, where you start thinking about how you're augmenting your teams, how you're streamlining operations, how you're creating efficiencies. So um, for that 40% who answered no plans, 
let's go back and take another look at the strategy overall. Excellent point, Corinne. And Aaron, I want to circle back to you because in our previous conversations with Six River Systems, it's not about just dropping robotics into a warehouse or fulfillment center as Corinne's talking about. It's holistic, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, it has a ripple effect on the operation and the organization far beyond, uh, you know, having an army of chucks around. So speak to that if you would. And any final uh, points related to this article and the research behind it? Yeah, and maybe I'll start with the letter. I'll take exactly what Corinne just said and why uh, 40% of the companies are not uh, planning to use robotics. So I think that the, the survey inside the article did a great job breaking down the reason. So I, mm -hmm. I find it interesting to look at those challenges that the companies are facing when they're pursuing the robotics, because that can better explain why the companies are still hesitant to implement them. The first point that the article, uh, the survey showed, and they sent it to more than 200 people or 200 operators, mm. the ROI, the operators finding it hard to realize the promised value of the systems, but they also find it harder to measure as besides denial improvements, uh, the robots also have secondary benefits, such as improving the quality, making the associate's life easier, and making it easier to flex up and down to address changing in peak seasons. After right. that, the survey also speaks about the lack of robotics expertise and the impact on culture. The operators are experts in running warehouses, but they are not experts in running robotic system. Uh, there are also concerns, to Greg point, how those robots will impact their labor and culture, Will it improve their life or create anxiety that the robots uh, will take jobs? And finally, the survey talks about um, the long time from first call to go live, the downtime associated with the implementation and the ongoing operations and the funding. In Six River, we are looking specifically, we're not surprised, we were not surprised by looking at those survey results and trying to find ways to mitigate those risks during our GTM and operations processes. So, um, all right, so I, I want to circle back here in a second because I want to get all three of you all to weigh in on some predictions in the short term because I believe that 40% figure that all everyone's is talking about, the folks that aren't considering, I bet that's going to drop precipitously uh, if I use that Greg White word uh, the right way uh, in, <laughs> in the months and years to come. But really quick, on a lighter moment, we mentioned candy and folks are sharing here. So I got to share a couple of quick ones here. Uh, Dr. Rhonda loves peppermint patties in the freezer. Have you ever done that? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. And chilled peanut butter cups. I got to check that out. Uh, John Perridge with us. John, great to have you here today. Hopefully brought your, your iconic sense of humor. We like John's uh, dad jokes around here. Saltwater taffy from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Always the way to go. So Ron, you're going to get a shot at those here pretty soon, I think. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're going to keep that cat in the bag. Um, Amanda says, give me anything chocolate, especially with caramel. Uh, I'm with you there. And Jose, taffy is a type of candy invented in the U.S., made by stretching or pulling a sticky mass of bold sugar, butter, vegetable oil, flavorings, colorings, until it becomes aerated. Tiny air bubbles produced, resulting in a light, fluffy, and chewy candy. Man, I wonder if his middle name is Mars... Or um, <laughs> eat those candy. Okay, next. Um, <laughs> how is chocolate made? Go with that. <laughs> That's right. I love that, Jose. He, John. he refuses to. He refuses to determine to even state whether he eats candy. Right. Instead, he describes it. I like. 
That was a I'm nice dodge, Jose. Pretty yeah. good. <laughs> I like his discipline. I like, yeah. that's, that's really Focus. good. <laughs> Focused. Um, okay. Yes. So speaking of discipline, we got to get back into the, the center topic here today: robotics, automation, the impact on supply chain. Kind of a forward-looking snapshot, which is what the survey is really. Uh, the survey is kind of speaking to again the current state, but also where we're headed. And folks, again, we're talking about the state of robotics uh, that came to us via our friends at Modern Materials Handling. I'll check that out, and I believe Amanda to drop the link to the article in the comments. Check that out in the data that we're all referring to. Okay. Hey, Ron, uh, we love talking predictions around here, partially because, as Greg always says, no one will ever know that you're wrong because they, they won't go back and uncover your predictions. But, hey, Ron, if you had to look, if you had to break out the crystal ball and, and think of what lies ahead for robotics, automation systems in industry, global business, global supply chain, two to three years out, what can we expect? Yeah, I'll give you like the, the, the way that I see it. So first of all, as you mentioned, I'm going to see, we are going to see a significant uptick in the user of robotics automation as we go through the effects of the pandemic, the supply chain management that I mentioned before and the labor shortages. The second flavor, to Greg's point, I don't see a fully automated lights out distribution management sorry, distribution center in United States in the next five years. I think that COVID accelerated by five years the rush for lights out due to the labor shortage and probably get us to up to 80% automation. But due to the long tail, the non, the edge cases, those are, in my opinion, will prevent it from happening in the United States. And the third part of that, I see the hardware becoming more of a commodity and the software becoming the differentiator between the different OEMs. It's the software that runs the robots, the warehouses, the WMS, the machine learning created from the sensors, and the integration between the robot that is running inside the warehouse to the entire supply chain, from manufacturer to freight to fulfillment to salt center to last mile. So it's kind of like a, a mouthful, but this is how I see the next three years. Mm. It's a mouthful, like a good Heath bar, as our friends uh, Colleen Banzoff uh, mentions. So I'm with you, Canadian coffee, uh, toffee. Um, all right, so Greg, I'm going to come to you next. Um, you know, as Aaron was kind of painting his vision for where we're headed uh, in the next two to three years, what are some of your thoughts, sir? In the next two to three years, and in fact, it's already started happening, I see companies building their fulfillment facilities considering robotics first rather than second to labor because, um, as I said, labor shortage is not going to cease. People are staying away from these kind of jobs in droves. And uh, I see that happening. I see also one of the big objections in the survey was the integration, the, the implementation of robotics. I see companies like Six River and others overcoming the the whatever you want to call it, customization, so that robotics is more appified, so that you can plug it in more easily. You don't have to have robotics experts in the warehouse. Um, think of it as you know an iPhone cut type implementation. And secondly, I see, or and thirdly, I should say, secondly among the techno the software, I see. Um, I see companies creating this um, or, or removing the barriers between different brands where a Six River and a whoever else might mirror or whoever can operate in the same warehouse using their respective strengths. And it is completely transparent to the users in, in the workplace because there are companies working on a universal OS that allows instead of, it, 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 as, as Iran was talking about, instead of it being 
um, you know, Mac versus Windows. It's a universal operating system that allows these these toys to play nice with one another. I love that. Uh, I had no idea. I love that. Who knows? Maybe the same team can work on universal TV remote so we can get one for all TVs out there. We'll see. That might be wishful thinking. Well, when you say it like that, Scott, it makes it makes robotics sound more more impossible, not less. <laughs> <laughs> how long we've been trying to conquer that. Holy cow. But I, I do love, kidding aside, I love that, that prediction you're making, Greg, about uh, the different technologies working together uh, without impact to the user. That, that sense of kindred spirits and collaboration is great for industry, I believe. Uh, Corinne Bursa, bold. What's your bold prediction of a couple of years from now? Oh, a couple of years. I mean, it's coming. It's coming. There's already lights out manufacturing facilities in the United States. Um, so we, we do have those. And those are going to be more complex, certainly, than a distribution center operation. So the, the value proposition here, I mean, Greg just, just mentioned one of them that I hadn't even considered, and that is shared facilities. And as we look at more and more direct consumer, so Aaron mentioned um, e-commerce, right? So I've got more distribution centers, maybe with a, a smaller footprint that are serving my customers so they can get their products, you know, in a 24, 48 hour period of time, whatever the commit is to them. And to do that, this starts to make a lot of sense. So I think we're going to see them in 3PLs and 4PLs. We're going to see them in the brand owner facilities as well. I think there's huge opportunity for um, for higher accuracy or reduced error rates um, and reduced injury, um, and not necessarily replacing labor, but maybe we're augmenting labor in different areas of the business. So I think um, I, I think it's kind of an exciting time uh, to be in this this sector and. Um, and it's fascinating to to go and watch if you've ever had the opportunity to, you know, even in manufacturing to see some of the um, robotic manufacturing processes. It's really cool in a distribution center as well. I couldn't agree more. Hey, really quick, uh, Aaron, before we move to making sure folks uh, kind of have a primer on Six River Systems, I want to pose this question to you from Corey. And hey, happy for you to take this offline. Corey, it's a great question, but I'm going to see if he can weigh in here. Um, what about post-receiving, put-away, and picking steps? What is your outlook on pack-out, kit, uh, kitting, value-added value activities being performed by robots? Any thoughts you want to share there, uh, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Six River already operate in some of those uh, facilities, or so, sorry, in, that, in some of those process paths. Um, the way that, uh, for example, uh, put-aways is something that we do uh, today. Uh, picking, obviously, that's our bread and butter. Uh, the thing that I'm seeing there is that when you think about automation, I mentioned up to 80% of automation, it's really looking at the uh, the the bulk, or if you do a Pareto, you look at the uh, the 80% of the items, and then you are trying to create automations for them, and then the 20%, those will be processed by um, exceptions, hospitals, etc. That's the way that we are doing that. And really, we are looking at this world-to-world -world operations to manage everything that is happening inside the four wall walls with integration for outside supply chain, upstream and downstream processes. Love that. And by the way, man, Corey has got some serious certifications. He's got all of them. I feel that he could he could teach us something or two. Corey, great to have you today and, and great question here. Um, and Aaron, thank you for uh, addressing that uh, kind of on the spot. Um, all right. So Greg, Corinne, and Aaron, uh, for just a minute, 
uh, just just for the handful of folks that may have not have caught uh, some of your colleagues joining us here uh, for the buzz and some of our other programming. Let's just make sure that folks know in a nutshell what Six River Systems does. So, Aaron, tell us what the company does. Yeah, so we are a solution provider that is working hard to make the fulfillment faster, easier, and simpler. We operate, as I mentioned before, with VPLs, e-com and retail, B2B distribution, and medical. We have a flexible solution that is easy to deploy wall-to-wall that combines software and uh, our hardware, the Chuck, which is our autonomous robot, that that combines with artificial intelligence and our operational expertise creates a really appealing solution for uh, our customers. I'll touch on a point that Greg mentioned before. Uh, We spend a lot of time, and that's my team, I'm the head of technical operations, we spend a lot of time simplifying the deployment process for our robots. And we accelerate that as part of the pandemic. Today, when you get a robot, Six River, for example, you want to flex up and down, we will ship you a robot. All the operators need to do is to take the robot out of the crate, turn it on, and the robot is already ready to go. You can start wow. using that immediately. And then when your peak season is over, you put it back in the crate and you ship it to us. We spend, we're spending a lot of time thinking about it, the simplifying our deployment operations, as well as simplifi- simplifying the operations of that robot in the warehouse. I love that. Uh, mm-hmm. Does Chuck happen to play right field? Because my uh, dear, beloved Atlanta Braves uh, could use an extra <laughs> outfielder, too. Um, but it, Funny if, you went to right field. I was thinking <laughs> drums, but... <laughs> well, take both. Take both. Um, thank you for sharing uh, what Six River Systems is up to. Um, all right, so... What we want to do is, uh, I think we've got a great resource, Corinne and Greg uh, and Aaron from our friends at Six River Systems. I want to share that uh, really quick here. Uh, there we are right here. And what this is focused on, this is a presentation, Aaron, from Jerome Dubois from Six River Systems on the cost of a mispick. I love this. I love the quantifying these these um, these terms that we all assume. We know the cost, or assume we know this, assume we know that. Uh, some of the key takeaways in this resource, and we're dropping links in the comments. Uh, calculating the impact of a mispick on your bottom line, determining the value delivered in terms of investment payback, really important. Uh, and of course, the benefits of some of the work that Aaron and his team are doing. But hey, enough from me. Aaron, what is your favorite aspect of this presentation from your uh, by your colleague Jerome? Yeah, so remember when we spoke about the survey results and we saw that the number one challenge there is calculating the ROI. And that's really uh, what this presentation uh, is about because it's not just the labor uh, and comparing the robot versus uh, the manual labor, it's those secondary effects that improve the ROI, the accuracy, the service level, uh, the ability to hit the track, the critical pull time. Uh, And what Jerome showed is that when you take all of those under consideration, you get to a really lucrative ROI in the example that he provided less than six months, which is very appealing for our customers because they can see the benefits right away. That combined with the quick implementation really create a, a killer replication. And you can sign up in August and get going in October, right in time for the holiday peak. I love that. I love that. Greg and Corinne, I'm going to circle back for your uh, uh, key takeaway there based on what Aaron is sharing. But first, Jose, uh, 
is speaking to Corey. I love the conversations between the conversations. So Jose was uh, part of the demo at Vert and Six River Systems in Atlanta. And most of the processes that Corey was asking about and Aaron was speaking to were covered. And that was took place around Modex here uh, just a month or so ago. Uh, Ashish, I'm with you. I, uh, I like the word that different technologies work together. There's, there needs to be more of that. So, Greg, I'm glad you brought that up. And as we mentioned, Amanda dropped uh, the link to the, the um, webinar on demand, the cost of a mispick, and more is what uh, Jerome talks about. Um, okay, uh, Corinne, I'll start with you. Um, whether it is the importance of truly quantifying what these these operational errors and and uh, challenges cost us, whether it's the return on investment of of doing you know making the investment, doing what you're predicting is going to happen more and more. It's a tidal wave of automation robotics. But what's a, a key takeaway for you from today's conversation? Yeah, the, the first thing is I believe the ROI is there um, and, and can be you know can be put together for for each company and it's unique. Um, opportunities. In fact, you know, I'm going to plug a recent episode from Tech Talk that just published on framing your business case for digital supply chain investments. This is a digital supply chain investment. This is augmenting what you're doing in the physical world um, and is physically moving goods. Um, so I, I firmly believe the ROI is there. I think there are learning opportunities and it will cause you to be more disciplined about your operations, and that's gonna gonna lead to to good things as well. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, that is episode 37 of Tech Talk. We blink, and you knocked out 37 episodes. That's three times the average episodes for podcasts out across the universe. And, yeah, uh, usually it's less than 12 for the 2.5 million podcasts out there. Um, great episode. It's been well-received. Amanda, if we can drop the link to that uh, in the comments, that would be great. Framing your business case for digital supply chain investments. Good stuff there, Corinne. All right, Greg White. Uh, we're talking investments. We're certainly talking your language, uh, supply chain, of course, uh, much like Corinne. What, what's one of your key takeaways from our conversation here with Aaron? Well, so having been a service provider and a retail practitioner and before and now still a consumer, I can tell you that the cost of a mispick is absolutely devastating, devastating to the credibility of your organization. You'll have to determine what the actual dollar amount is. But I mean, just think about it. everyone just close your eyes for just a split <laughs> second. Don't go to sleep. <laughs> close your eyes and imagine that your favorite retailer sends you the wrong thing, right? In the two days in which they promised it. How pissed off are you? I mean, we actually had this problem in warehouses shipping to our stores. And we had, I worked for a big retail chain, now O'Reilly Automotive. At the time, we had 790 stores. And if you mispick to 100 of those stores, you got 110 phone calls because you also got their district manager's calls. So it is hugely uh, impactful, not to your bottom line only, but to your top line and your brand esteem and credibility as an organization. So, um, yeah, th I mean, this is a pet peeve of mine, mispicks, as you can tell. I can. <laughs> I think not just being able to... <laughs> Not just being able to account for it, but also, the, and most importantly, being able to avoid it. There have been technologies forever 
trying to avoid mispicks. We started with visual assistance, VMware. If you've heard of VMware, by the way, who just got bought by Broadcom. Um, but all of these things where we tried to make humans able to not mispick, and it's still unbelievably difficult. Even, I bet, Aaron, the, um, robot-assisted humans may even occasionally mispick, right? So it's something that's very costly. Obviously, it's one of the key ROIs for for robotics and autonomous. So. Well said. And now I know uh, I'm adding to my uh, short list of things that really gets Greg White going. Fire it up, man. Do not send me the wrong thing. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I want to circle back to something because I think Aaron needs to say it a little bit louder for the folks in the back because, you know, deeds, not words is, is a mantra of ours um, here at Supply Chain Now. But, you know, there's time to take action prior to the coming season, right? It's like so many companies are doing. So, Good point. so hey, Ron, let's go back to that time frame. You just, you just kind of probably you know, picked. Folks can still act and get um, get the system implemented to, to benefit their organization this, this, this peak? Yeah, you can. You can. You have probably two months or so to finish all the um, red lines and uh, learning about the system, see it in action. And then uh, we will uh, work hard, work with your operations, um, um, plan uh, the ideal solution, deploy it, make it live, and ramp it before um, the uh, BFCM weekend. Wow. How about that? Uh, Greg and Corinne, I mean, that's that's uh, that's that's real deeds, not words. If in, in my book, um, let's a couple things here. I think Amanda Scott, agrees. Can I just ask a quick yeah, question? Please, and yeah. you can watch three heads nod in unison. And that is, as three solution providers, I can assure you that we all agree on this singular point, and that is, you will not be waiting on your solution provider. Your solution provider will be waiting on you as to to solve this problem. I love that. So, Excellent point. And there were. I think that's the beauty of the way technology has gone in the last few decades. Is it is so much easier to run what you you said. So much easier to implement, and the companies are so far ahead of the game. You got four heads nodding all at once. I, I believe there, uh, Corinne. What would you add to that? What Greg just shared. Well, I'm I'm uh, passionate about getting the right things, but I'm not quite to Mr. White's <laughs> level. But uh, but customer acquisition cost is is huge, right? And and to lose some of your best customers is 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 a challenge in any market, but especially in today's market. So yeah, um, I agree that um, the technology providers are really kind of leading and ready to go. If I had you know 60, 90 days to get something in place, I would I'd be working hard on it right now, especially with where we are from a um, a human capital perspective and and having a workforce that's going to be trained and available to work long hours and and handle increased volume. Excellent so, point, Corinne. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and and if y'all if y'all noticed. Uh, Aaron used uh, a new acronym, at least to me, uh, from a, that I picked up on a couple months back. BFCM, Black Friday Cyber Monday. That's a thing. That acronym is a thing, as I've learned. Um, hmm. So very, very. Well, it's kind of like IRL. I learned IRL. IRL is is in real in life. Life, now that yeah. folks are back in person, yeah. they're meeting 
all their digital friends for the first time. So, hey, um, oftentimes the, my kids are t- teaching me these acronyms uh, lately, but I learned Be one careful. from uh, Be careful with those. <laughs> no kidding. You're yeah. so right. Always uh, know what they mean. <laughs> so, so Amanda was talking about um, what, what Greg was alluding to. It just happened to us for a birthday gift for one of our kids. And she was very annoyed, and you don't want Amanda very annoyed. I promise you. Uh, Dr. Rhonda is sending uh, congrats, good vibes to Corinne on TikTok and the great journey and content coming out of that podcast. Great work, uh, KB. Thank okay. you, Dr. Rhonda. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right. So, Aaron, you know, what I love about your interview here, and, and you know, we've just met um, – I feel like we're like second or third cousins uh, based on kind of how, just how you share what's on your mind. But Greg and Corinne, is it just me or is it like when, when Aaron's talking about how you can change your organization and prep for peak, he's like, it's done. It's the easy button. It's what we do. Is that uh, Greg? I know you're you're nodding. Is that the air you get from Aaron as well? Absolutely. I mean, again, I think, you know, what, what we have to acknowledge as practitioners is that when we implement a new technology, we may do it only once. Right. Right. Most likely only <laughs> once. Aaron, Aaron and his team do it over and over and over and over and over again every single year. So they have to be better at it. And we actually have a name. And they've refined the process. We have a name for that, Greg, internally that I'll share with you. The rapid deployment machine. That's one. Yeah. <laughs> RPM. I like it. I like it. Love it. All right. So um, let's do this. Let's make sure folks know how to connect uh, with you, Aaron. And we've already put the link to the, the cost of a mispick, that resource out in the comments, looks like across social. But how can folks, you know, if they reach out and want to grab a, a cup of coffee with you or compare notes, you know, talk about some of the things that, 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 that make up the real art of the possible here in short order, how can they connect with you and Six River? Yeah, I would, I would love to meet uh, your uh, listeners, either in person or virtually. Uh, I'm not a big Twitter person, but LinkedIn will be the best way uh, to reach me. Uh, and if you want to follow Six River and connect with Six River, you can do it via LinkedIn or Twitter. Wonderful. It is just that easy. Uh, really have enjoyed uh, our time with Aaron Frankel here, uh, VP of Technical Operations with Six River Systems. But before you go, before we wrap, we're going to wrap here in just a minute or two. Uh, Corinne, I, g- I gave Greg the opportunity to kind of share a final thought a moment ago. Um, I, same thing for you. Uh, beyond inviting people to check out Tech Talk, what else would you add as we wrap up here today? Oh, I just... Same thing I always say, it's a great time to be in supply chain. And if you're not innovating, you're going to get left behind. So I would encourage folks to get started. And I'm not telling you you have to boil the ocean, but start with one distribution center or start with one initiative and and build your, um, what is it, muscle memory. Dr. Rhonda, muscle memory coming back um, so that you can just enhance those capabilities and start changing your culture. If culture is the problem, let's start changing it a little bit at a time. Well said. So well said. And by the way, Ashish picks up on something Greg said a moment ago. He says, hey, Greg, rightly said that it is about how much pissed off 
leads to change the direction of new technology. That, that is so well, that's uh, uh, so right. Uh, you know, because if it doesn't prompt organizations to do something about it, it prompts entrepreneurs to jump in and fix an old or new problem that is causing a lot of consternation across uh, the world of consumers. So I love that. Well said, Ashish. Okay, folks. A great conversation here today. Uh, Greg, really quick, the uh, Hilton Head Global Logistics Transportation Supply Chain Carrier Index. What's that number at today? Scott, I have to tell you, uh, it got really high last week. Um, so uh, outside of the port of Savannah, which is the smaller of the two, there were 17 ships. Wow. Wow. And here they come again. So I'm going to do a really quick count for eight. 12, 14, 15, wow. not in motion, including two oil tankers and the rest cargo ships. So, and one on its way into port. So, um, not, not as backed up in Charleston as we have seen in the past. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but Scott, I am willing to run up, run over to Savannah, grab a cold beverage and talk to the, <laughs> the, the port authority over there. Let's do it. Let's do a show. Let's we'll do this afternoon. Is what I mean, Scott. Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, I love that, Greg. Uh, and we'll get another update on the index maybe later this week. Folks, be sure to join us uh, Wednesday as UPS joins us at 12 noon for a live. And then John Gold with NRF, as we mentioned, joins us Thursday at 12 noon. Uh, big thanks to all of you. Big, big thanks to the production team. Big thanks to our featured guest, uh, Aaron Frankel with Six River Systems. Uh, Aaron. Uh, really enjoyed your perspective today. Look forward to having you back. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was fun. You yeah, bet. Thanks, Ron. Hey, make sure you all connect with him on LinkedIn. Big thanks to my co-hosts, Greg White and Corinne Bursa. Be sure to check out uh, Tequila Sunrise and Tech Talk, uh, digital supply chain podcast, respectively. And folks, whatever you do, hey, speaking of what uh, Corinne was talking about, just take action. Uh, if it's a baby step, if it's a massive leap, uh, you know, dip into that RPM that, that Aaron was talking about. And really, whether it's it's uh, robotics, automation, or other other changes that you need to make in your organization uh, to really capitalize on this environment that we're in. Because as Corinne said, it is a beautiful time to be in supply chain. Folks, whatever you do, though, do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.